guys, uh, for those of you who don't know, for those of you who may be new, uh, my name is Brooks August. I'm the student ministries director here at Northview, and I have the pleasure and honor of uh, talking with you guys through the whole month of August. Um, so it's been, it's been really fun. My last name is August. This is the month of August. That's how it works. Um, <laughs> you guys didn't make that connection before? No, you did. Uh, Hey, uh, we've been going through 1 John, and uh, we've been talking about knowing Jesus Christ. We've been talking about how we can know him and then know that we know him, right? That we can know him like we know a friend. And I challenged the youth ministry, the students here, to, to read through 1 John and uh, challenged many of you guys to do the same. And it's been really cool to be a part of this body because uh, people have been coming up to me and saying, Hey, I read... Uh, read through First John um, with with this person, or, or we, we sat down, we read it, or we read it as a family, and um, it's it's pretty cool because we're all reading the same the same book, right? We're all reading from the same passages of scripture, and it's fun. Uh, it really bonds us together, I think. And some of the kids are have come up and they say, "Brooks, I've read through First John. Um, what what do you want me to read now?" I'm like, well read it again, because we're still talking about it. We're still going to be uh, in this book for the next uh, couple, well, this weekend, next week, we're going to finish up. Um, so if you've read it, uh, you can read it again, because every time you read it, you'll pull out something new. Seriously, if I kept track of how many times I read this book um, in preparation for this series, I don't know how many times. I just keep reading it over and over and over again, and um, exploring new, uh, new things out of it. And First uh, John 3 is where we're going to land uh, this morning, and as I read it this week, oh, man, it was, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It, it, uh, there are some things in here that I just really needed to hear and know. Uh, you guys ever, have you, that ever happened to you guys? Maybe it's like with a devotional, or maybe you're going through like a reading plan, it's like, man, this is, this is what I needed to hear uh, this, this week or today, and uh, that was First John 3 for me, um, and it was, it was amazing. I, I was reading it with, with tears in my eyes at times because it was just so powerful. Uh, it was just so powerful that I feel like what John is trying to communicate to us is, is just how much God loves you. Understand how much God loves you. Understand the, uh, the length of which he went to, to love you. And I'm like, my goodness, God loves us. We're singing this song, How Great Is Our God, and I think, man, in light of this scripture, I'm, I'm thinking about it, I'm like, man, our God is great. Our God is so great that we should give so much praise and glory and honor to God because he's so great, because he loves us so much. Like, man, that, uh, that song really, it really means something that, yeah, our God is more great than, more great, greater, right? He's greater than we could ever imagine. Uh, and we try to put some words on it and say, oh, how great is our God? How great is our God? No, our God is so great. Uh, I'm I, I reading this, and in verse 1 it says, See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. Man, that is, I was thinking about that. Man, this love that God gives us. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about this love that God gives us. Guys, I'm going to read all of First John 3 uh, this morning. And uh, it'll be up on the screen. You can open up your Bibles if you have them, or you can open up your app on your phone. It's still holy, even though it's on a screen. <laughs> the Word of God says this. Verse 1, See what kind of love the Father has given, given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared 
But what we know, uh, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Verse 4, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He's, he's talking to us there. He, he refers to us as, as little children. He's not going into the nursery and saying, little children. He's talking to us, okay? Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who, the children, who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not, whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that, there's, you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whenever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do, and do what pleases him. And, by, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that you've given us, and that we may go to it and um, hear from you. God, I would pray uh, your spirit to come upon us this morning to open up our hearts and minds that we may better understand your word and better apply it to our lives so that we may look more like Christ. God, I thank you for this church, this community, this body that, that encourages and uplifts one another, and um, that we have a place that we can call home and uh, it truly is a family of supporters. Um, God, I thank you for that. And Father, I know it was just a preseason game, but thank you that the Seahawks spanked the Broncos last night. And all God's people said? Amen. Did you say amen, Dave? All right, there you go, all right. No, but really, who saw that game last night? That was awesome, right? It was just a preseason game the Seahawks were playing, but I got really amped for the season. And, and I don't know, yeah, sweet, you brought, you brought the newspaper in, that's good, if you missed it, that's awesome. Uh, uh, I don't know 
where the Broncos were, most of the players must have been at the hospital with Zach because they surely didn't show up to play. Um, they, they, yeah, that was, that was sad. It was, it was a great game, though. Yeah, Seahawks showed up. That was awesome. And um, you better believe I'm going to hold it over Zach because he's a huge Broncos fan. You guys know that Zach, or Pastor Zach, is a big Broncos fan. If you guys didn't know that, he's like, the biggest Broncos fan I've met, he has like Broncos blankets, he's got like jerseys on jerseys, he's got all, he has stickers, he's got all these things. He loves the Broncos. So yeah, you better believe I'm going to, when he comes back in, I'm like, dude, you just had a baby. Dude, the Broncos lost. Um, so <laughs> he, he loves the Broncos and, he, you know, he was probably keeping an eye on the game uh, last night, but he probably uh, wasn't uh, glued to the TV like he usually would be because... Why? Because he, he, he had a baby girl, right? And that's awesome. And um, Zach loves the Broncos, but I can guarantee you he doesn't love the Broncos as much as he loves Hannah, right? Uh, and that's good. That's, if he got that order reversed, there'd be some, there'd be some talks that we need to, that we need to have. Uh, but have you ever met these people, maybe kind of like Zach, that are just so amped up for something like Seahawks football or Mariners baseball? Those people don't exist, and no one, no one gets excited about the Mariners. <laughs> But, right, these people that are just so amped up for something in life that they just, they just love it so much. Uh, I was kind of perusing through my Facebook feed, and I saw one of, my, one of my friends, or one of my friends on Facebook, someone I know on Facebook, I don't know, they said, I, I'm so excited uh, for what's happening on Saturday. This is the best time of the year. I'm so excited. He's talking about football season talking about football season, and I'm thinking, man, you're really excited for football. That's, that's great, and it's almost like he couldn't explain how excited he was about football. I mean, it's just preseason football. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't go on our record, but people are just so amped up, and you go to the stadium, and if you were watching on TV, that stadium uh, last night was just loud, and it was, people were going all out, people were painting their faces and chests and stuff, it's like, what the heck, man, you are so over the top for Seahawks football, and maybe some of you guys can maybe relate to something, you love something so much in your life that you just can't explain it, right? Like, you just can't explain how much you love something, maybe, maybe for your parents, maybe it's your kids, you just love your kids, so much that if someone were to ask you, hey, how much do you love your kids? I, I, you, I, you could try to explain it, but it, nothing would really make sense. It's like, I just love them so much. And I think that's how God feels towards us. And that's what John is trying to communicate here. It's that God loves us so much that, that he couldn't explain it with words. Like, I'm, I'll, I'll try to write it down. It doesn't, nothing comes out. I can't explain how much I love you. You will never understand how much I love you. So I'm going to show you how much I love you by sending my son to die on the cross so that you will see how much I love you, that I love you unto death. I can't, I can't explain in words, so I'm going to have to, I'm going to show you, I, you need to see how much I love you, that I want you to, I want to save you so bad that I will die for you. And we do, we see that in Christ Jesus. And, and as John instructs us here, he says, in verse 1, it says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. He says, see this love, notice this strange, magnificent, unordinary love that God shows to us that we should be called children of God. 
And we know that we are children of God, not because of anything we've done, but because of everything Christ has done. Because Christ goes and dies on the cross. We are called children of God. We are called sons and daughters of God. And John is kind of imploring us, he's, look at this love. Spend time focusing on this love. Do you understand how much God loves you? Have you really spent time thinking about it? Do you understand how much you are worth? Now, God calls us sons and daughters. We weren't, uh, we weren't people who barely made the grade and, and God says, okay, you barely passed the class. You can now be my son or daughter. No, he says, I know you'll never make it, so I'm going to take you as my son or daughter. We're not, we're not uh, orphans who um, he begrudgingly took in and said, you know what, I, you don't have a home really, and, and I guess because I feel pity for you, I'm going to bring you under my wing and I guess I'll bring you in. No, he loves us so much that, that he happily, gladly, excitedly takes us in and says, now you're my child, now you're my son, now you're my daughter. Do you understand who you are in Christ? That's what, that's what John is trying to communicate to us. He says, see this love. Just look at this love. Do you understand that you are children of God? And uh, I... Um, was listening to some some music. I'm kind of an old fogey when it comes to music. Sometimes I kind of listen to like, sometimes I put on like Tchaikovsky and weird stuff, <laughs> things with violins in it. Uh, but I also have like an inner hip hop that needs to get out. And so every now and then I'll turn on some like rap music or hip hop stuff. I'm like bouncing to it. I'm like, oh, this is sick. So, uh, and Wilson can attest to it. Sometimes our office is like bumping and we're like, yeah, we're white. What's up? And, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> Uh, thank you for laughing, because I wasn't sure that was going to go over well. <laughs> but <laughs> this, is, this is the scenario. I'm sitting, uh, I'm sitting at a coffee shop with Wilson. We both have our headphones in. I'm like, dude, listen to these lyrics. Like, listen to these lyrics. This is, this is awesome. We're listening to this rap song, and uh, it's a Christian rapper, and he's saying this. He says, talking about God's love for us, talking about our worth and value in God, he says this. He says, but worth value and beauty is not determined by some innate quality, but by the length for which the owner would go to possess them. And broken and ugly things just like us are stamped excellent. I was thinking about, man, that's, that's so right. That's so dead on that our worth is not dependent. It's not, it's not about us. It's not about what we've done or what we haven't done, how we've messed up, what we're, what we, what we're going to do in the future. No, our worth is dependent upon what, how, the length of which God has gone to possess us. But worth, value, and beauty is not determined by some innate quality, but by the length for which the owner would go to possess them. And broken and ugly things, just like us, are stamped excellent. That's awesome. I love that. I love the way he puts that. It's, uh, the rapper's name is Propaganda. I, I love the way he puts it. Um, and, it's, and I was beginning to think about that. I'm like, man, that's, that's right. That's what John is trying to communicate to us. See this love. See this love that God has given us that we should be called children of God. God goes so far to possess us. He goes so far to call us children. And that should, that should motivate us to action. It should be, oh my goodness, I am not worthy of anything, but God deems me worthy of everything because of Jesus Christ. 
I'm not worthy of anything, but because of Jesus Christ, I've become an heir to the throne of God. I, I, can, now sit, I can now sit with Jesus in front, of, in front of the throne and have the blessings of God because of Jesus Christ, because he's our big brother. Now I'm a son. You're a daughter of God. Wow. God went so far to possess us because he loved us so much. And this is true in life in general, right? I mean, we, for things that we really love and value, we will go way out of our way to get, right? We'll go way out of our way to get. I have a friend who loves donuts. I love donuts too. Um, and there's these donuts in Portland that are only in Portland. And my friend will drive down to Portland just so he can get some donuts, that's commitment, right? That's commitment. I know people that drive way out of their way just so they can go to a certain coffee stand because they really love that coffee. Right? And it's commitment. We'll go out of our way and we're, it's, just, it's just coffee, it's just donuts. But we're going way out of our way so we can, so we can possess that. Uh, you guys all have trash in your house, right? Trash cans in your house and you put trash in the trash can and you take the trash out to the road, right? Because we don't like trash. Generally, people don't like trash. Am I right? Am I right? So it's like, you put it out so someone, so a big truck can come and take it away because we don't want to possess it anymore, right? Uh, I dropped my cell phone in a trash can once, like a big trash can, like one of those kinds that we got out there in the, in the parking lot, like a big trash can. I like my cell phone a lot, and suddenly I'm, I don't like trash, but suddenly I'm willing to dig through the trash so I can get my cell phone. Because I'll, I'll go to that length. I'll dig through trash to, to grab my cell phone. Um, have you guys ever dropped your cell phone in, like, the toilet? <laughs> no one wants to reach into the toilet, but you will <laughs> for your iPhone, right? <laughs> or whatever it is. Like, you'll, you know, man, like, you'll go to some length just so you can... Because... You want, you want your phone, right? That's a silly analogy, but that's what God did on a grand scale. He says, I love you so much that I'm going to go to such a length so that you may be my child. Wow. Our worth is determined by the length of which God went to possess us. And we, though broken and sinful, are stamped excellent because of Jesus Christ. I love that. So here we have John explaining to us, you are a son, you are a daughter of God because of Jesus Christ. Not because of anything you've done, but because of everything he's done. And he says that we are now possessed by him. We are, he owns us. How great is that? And Jesus calls us, he calls his disciples to follow him. And when we follow him, when we trust in Jesus Christ, we become, his, uh, we become uh, God's son and daughter. And he says, follow me, follow me. That's an action. C come after me, follow me, do what I do. And I was, I was reading, um, I was reading some, some books this week, studying up uh, for, for today. And um, I was reading through uh, Soren Kierkegaard, who is a Danish philosopher. He's dead, so he and I hang out a lot. Um, I read his stuff. And uh, so he, he, he writes this. I'm not going to read the quote because it's really, like, jumbled. And, but it basically says that there's a difference between admirers and followers. 
that there's a difference between an admirer and a follower. And if we are the Son of God, we should be following Jesus Christ. We shouldn't uh, merely be admiring Jesus Christ, but we should be following after him. And the difference between an admirer and a follower. An admirer, you can admire a lot of people, right? An admirer holds someone up in high esteem. I respect that person for for his work ethic, right? I respect that person for what they've done and what they've accomplished. I respect that person for his artistic ability, right? I, I admire this person for maybe the words he says or the things he's done, but there's no sacrifice that goes with it. There's no sacrifice that goes with admiring someone. You could even sing songs admiring someone. We sing songs to Jesus Christ, and it's out of admiration. But Jesus says, I want you to follow me. He doesn't say, I want you to admire me. I want you to follow me. See, an admirer doesn't make any sacrifice in his life to become more like that person. A follower looks at his or her life and says, okay, I'm I'm following Jesus Christ, and I want to be more like him. I want to be more like him. So I'm going to, I'm going to, are there things I need to change in my life? Because I'm so in love with Jesus that I want to, I want to change my life to look more like him. And John says that there's no excuse in that. If you follow, or if you claim to be in Jesus Christ, you're going to follow him. And if you follow him, your life will change. Uh, You guys know who Justin Bieber is, yeah? <laughs> you guys know like the first service was I was like Justin Bieber and they're like um, can I raise my hand? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm. You guys know who Justin Bieber is, right? Uh, he has a ton of admirers because he has a concert and it's like packed out, packed house, and he comes out of his concert and. There's like thousands of screaming girls that admire Justin Bieber. I don't know why, but he, they just admire, admire Justin Bieber and they're screaming his name. And some of them may be even followers of Justin Bieber, right? They may want, they may want to be like Justin. Like, oh, I want to become like him. No, you don't. That's a, bad, that's a bad choice. Don't become like Justin Bieber. Become like Jesus. And uh, he has tons of admirers. He has tons of people that admire Justin Bieber. Um, I'll admit, I, I kind of even admire Justin Bieber because of uh, what he's been able to do. He came up through YouTube. That's pretty crazy. And uh, he's, he sings to thousands of people on stages that I would never want to go on. And he, he's talented. But I don't want to be anything like Justin. I don't want to follow Justin Bieber. I follow him on Twitter. But I don't want to follow... <laughs> I don't want to follow Justin Bieber... <laughs> I want to be more like Jesus Christ, right? I want to be more like Jesus Christ. Uh, And Jesus says, follow me. He doesn't say admire me. And that's what John is getting at here. He says, you are a son. You are a daughter of the Most High God because of Jesus Christ, because you follow after him. And then he goes through this long list of things and he says that there are results. There are results of following after Jesus. In uh, verses 4 all the way down um, through, through 18, he talks about what your life looks like when you follow Jesus Christ. He says, uh, he says that, that uh, Jesus appeared 
in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Now, I wish, I kind of wish this weren't in Scripture, I'll be honest. Because I look at my life and it's like, I messed up. I sin. We sin. But John is saying, if you abide in him, you can't keep on sinning. If you abide in Jesus, if you know Jesus Christ, if you spend time with Jesus Christ, you can't keep on sinning. And it's not by any power of our own. It's not by things that, okay, if I just muster up enough courage and enough good works, then I'm going to stop sinning. No, it's Christ's work in you that helps you overcome sin. And so you can look at your life years ago and say, my life is different now than it was then. Not because of anything I've done, but because of everything Jesus Christ has done. But he says these hard lessons in here. He says, whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. That's, that's harsh language. That's harsh language. But what he's saying is, if, if you are habitually sinning, if you make your home in sin, you say, yeah, I want to be here. I want to be owned by this. Then you're not of God. You're not a son or daughter of God. Because sons and daughters of God don't want to make their home in sin. They don't want to be enslaved by sin. They want to be in Jesus Christ because there's freedom in Jesus Christ. He says that that if you are in Jesus Christ, the result, the natural outpouring is a, a life away from sin, turning away from sin. Because we're more in love with Jesus Christ than we are with our sin. He says you will, you will be filled with, uh, with righteousness, walking away from lawlessness towards uh, good works towards a changed life. And he goes on in, um, in verse 11 and all the way down through 18, he talks about uh, loving one another. And he gives this example of, of Cain, how uh, Cain murdered his brother because um, he didn't love his brother. He loved himself more than he loved his brother, right? And then he says again more hard things that I wish weren't in here. <laughs> says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. says, if you're in Jesus Christ, if you are a son or daughter of God, if you put your faith in Christ, then you must, your life will become more loving. Your life will become uh, You'll, you'll, you'll stop holding things against people and begin to love them more. And if you do hate, that's, uh, he's equaling that to murder. John says many hard things like this all throughout his book. And, and it's, the, it's the word of God, and I, I, I want to rightly um, uh, explain it. That, this, that he's not, John is not saying you must be good so that you can be saved. 
you must do good work so that you can be saved. That's not what John is saying. That's not what John is communicating here. He's saying, you couldn't do good works. You couldn't be good enough. So Christ saved you. And now you can keep going on in good works because of what Christ is doing through you. See, he, he, I, I was reading this, and I think he, he spells all this out, and he explains, like, okay, this is what, uh, this is what you should be like. This is, um, if, if you abide in Christ, then you're not going to be, uh, you're not going to live in lawlessness. You're going to live in righteousness. Uh, if you abide in Christ, you're going to love your brother. He explains all these things, I think, to help us understand that we can't do it that we can't do it, that we keep failing over and over again. It's like, man, you want me to love my, you want me to love my brother? You want me to um, uh, not hold anything against uh, my friends and family? That's hard. You want me to live more righteously? That's hard. And I think John explains all of this to help us remember that we can't do it. That we can't do it. Because he starts with this. He starts with, look at the love of God, that you are in Christ Jesus, that you are a son and a daughter of God. Look at that love. Look how far God has gone to reach you. He says, because of that, there's natural fruit that comes out. But he also kind of reminds us that you're going to fail. You're going to sin. You're not going to make the cut. So that's exactly why we need Jesus Christ. But I want to be very clear that it it is both believing in Christ Jesus and obeying in Christ Jesus. That obedience and belief walk hand in hand. That we obey because we believe, right? Because we believe in Jesus Christ, because we believe in who he is, we obey him. Because we are in Christ Jesus. It's not the other way around. We don't believe so that we can, o- so that we can obey. I'm sorry, we don't obey so that we can believe. We don't, we don't try hard. If, okay, if I obey good enough, then, then I'll be in Christ Jesus. No, that's works. I think that, that's, that's works. That's, if, you, if you do X, Y, and Z, then Christ, then you'll be saved. No. But understanding that we are in Christ Jesus, understanding that we are sons and daughters of God, leads us to a changed life. There's natural fruit that comes out of knowing Christ. There's natural fruit that comes out of being in Christ Jesus and trusting in him and believing in him. That When I was growing up in Woodenville, um, before I moved to Nicaragua, I, uh, we had fruit trees in our yard. We had a couple apple trees, and in the summertime, I'd pick off the apples and, and eat the apples, and uh, you know what would happen? More apples would come out. <laughs> there, the tree was full of apples, and if I picked off all the apples off that tree, would it cease to be an apple tree? No, it'd be crazy. It would produce more apples because it's an apple tree. And when we, when we moved to Nicaragua, we had an orange tree, and if I picked off an orange from the orange tree, it produced more oranges because it's an orange tree. If you're in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit produces a life change in you. John is saying you can't be in Christ Jesus and go on living in sin. 
He's called you out of that. And I absolutely love how he closes this. Because I was saying that I think he explains, okay, you should be righteous, you should be loving. Kind of remind us that we can't do it. Kind of remind us that we fail time and time again. And he closes the, the chapter in verses verse 19 through 24. It says, By this we shall know that we are of the truth, and we are sure our heart before him. By this we shall know that we are of the truth, and we are sure reassure our heart before him. Oftentimes, we, we want to know, am I, am I, am I saved, right? Am I, am I a Christian? Am I in Christ Jesus? Am I, uh, that's a, I think that's a natural question, and that's, the, that's a big theme in the book of John, in the book of 1 John. He's writing so that we can know Jesus Christ and know that we know Jesus Christ, yeah? And that little phrase, by this, is referring back to righteousness and loving people. He says, if, if your life is changed, if your life is changed, yeah, okay, th- that, that gives you some reassurance of you being in Christ, or you being in, in God, that, that you are a son and daughter of God. If, you're, if you can look at your life and say, I'm more loving today than I was years ago, it, it's because of God, that, that, that reassures your heart before God. By this, by these things, that's how we can know that Christ has changed us. He's saying, but it's not, it's not those first, and then, we can, and then we can realize, because we will fail time and time again, which is why verse 20 is so great. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. There'll be times when we look at our lives, because we look at righteousness, we look at loving, like, man, I stink at this. I fail time and time again. I am a sinner. And our heart condemns us, right? Our heart condemns us and says, you're not good enough. You can never be, you can never call yourself a Christian. Or we look at our lives and we say, man, wouldn't, shouldn't, our, shouldn't my life be better than this? Shouldn't I be out of debt? Shouldn't I, shouldn't my household be more organized? Shouldn't, man, shouldn't my house be more clean? Right? We look at, we look at our life and we think, man, how can I call myself a Christian? My life is in shambles. And our heart condemns us. He says, if you were truly a Christian, if you truly followed after Christ, your life wouldn't look the way it looks. Our heart condemns us because we fail. Or, or our heart is, gets tempted by sin. And we think, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do this or this. And we get tempted by sin, and then our heart condemns us. We think, man, I couldn't call myself a Christian. A Christian wouldn't be tempted like that. Or maybe our heart indulges in sin. And then our heart condemns us and says, look at that. Look at what you've done. No, there's no way God still loves you. But God is greater than our heart. And he knows everything. So when our, when our emotions get the best of us, and when we think we're failures, when we think that things aren't going right in our life, when we look at our lives and rightly assess that we are sinners and failures and can't live up to God's standard, when our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and says, no, you are still a son and daughter of mine. And I still love you. 
You may fail time and time again, but I still love you. There's nothing that you can do to take yourself out of my love. We will fail, but Jesus succeeds. Our works will fail, but Jesus' works succeed. And that's why God is greater than our heart when our heart condemns us, when we look at our lives and we say, man, I am such a sinner. God looks at at your life and says, yeah, but Jesus Christ saves you. How great is it, how magnificent is it that we can stand on this word and stand on Jesus Christ knowing that He saves us. It's not the circumstances that we're in. Our life doesn't need to be going well. And our life certainly won't go well all the time when we follow after God. But but our, our salvation doesn't depend on our life's circumstance. It depends on God. How magnificent is it that we can stand on this truth, stand on this word, knowing that God declares me his son and his daughter, and there's nothing that can take me away from that. No sin, no circumstance, no, there's nothing that can separate me from God. How magnificent is it that we can stand on that? I get this picture of a father and a son uh, in the ocean, and I, when we were in Nicaragua, I would go to the ocean often, and um, if a father and a son are walking through the ocean, maybe up to their waist or something, and they're holding hands, right? And a wave comes and he knocks over the son. And the son lets go of the father's hand. What is the father going to do? He's going to hold on, right? Though the son may let go, the father is still holding on. Yeah, life is hard. Yeah, life is difficult. Things come our way and we fail. But God says, I'm still holding on. It's not, your salvation does not depend on you or your good works. Your salvation depends on me, that I'm holding on to you. And it's because of Jesus Christ. Verse 23, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. That we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. The most difficult thing in the Christian walk is not making sure you are outwardly uh, looking good or outwardly have good works so other people can see that you're on the right path. No, the greatest difficulty in, in following Jesus is believing that his work on the cross is finished. He says, believe in the name of my son, Jesus Christ. And when he says in the name of Jesus Christ, he's meaning that everything that Jesus has done, the gospel, the going to the cross, dying and resurrecting so that you and I could have life, that nothing in our life can separate us from God. If we believe that, that's the most difficult thing for a Christian. It's not making sure you're getting all the checkpoints or making sure that you're doing good works or making sure that you're living up to a standard. No, it's believing that no matter what happens in life, when you fail time and time again, when life does not go your way, when circumstances are difficult, you can look to Jesus Christ and say, I know that it is finished. I know that no matter what happens, I know that your death covers me and your death is my payment He says, this is the commandment that you believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. 
So I would ask you guys, do you believe? Do you believe in the name of Jesus Christ when things aren't going well? When things are difficult? Or do you turn to yourself and say, I got to get myself out of this. I got to get myself out of this. And when life is easier, when I've stopped sinning, when then, then I'll believe in Jesus Christ again. Now, Jesus says, I want you to believe in the midst of pain, in the midst of hurt, in the midst of your downfalls, that no matter what you do, when you're not righteous, when you're not loving, that my death still covers you. That you are still a son and daughter of God because of what I've done. And we're going to go back to the beginning when John says, see what kind of love the Father has given us. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that love that is shown in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That Jesus would go to the cross and die for you so that no matter what your circumstances are, you can claim to be in Jesus Christ. See that kind of love and live in response to that kind of love. I'm going to ask the worship band to come back up. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, may we look to Jesus Christ and believe in his name and not look to our, our good works or our good behavior to save us, but no, it's only through Jesus Christ that we are saved. Thank you that you are greater than our hearts and that when our hearts condemn us, you are greater than our heart, and you know everything. You know that we are secure in you. Help us live out that reality. In Jesus' name, amen.